to another episode of Stir the Pod. And um, I am always so fortunate to be joined by these incredible people across the country that are doing remarkable work and sometimes transforming entire institutions and systems in different ways. And today I have the great honor and pleasure of being joined by Chairman Tom Perez of the Democratic National Committee. Um, Tom and I actually go a a long ways back, um, back to when he was uh, the head of the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Um, I think after that went to the Department of Labor and that entire time we worked together on many immigrant rights issues and he was a keynote at our conference on national immigrant integration here in Seattle. And so he's worked on social justice issues with many of our partner organizations doing this work for a very long time on labor issues and has been uh, a strong progressive champion over the years. And I think um, we are lucky to have him and my friend Keith Ellison um, in the leadership of the DNC. And so Chairman Tom Perez, welcome to Stir the Pod. It's great to be back with you. And uh, as we celebrate API Heritage Month, I can think of no better way than to spend time with you, the first uh, member of the delegation here yeah. of color. Yeah. And uh, and what you've you've been blazing trails your whole life, and so uh, I feel like I'm here not just with a friend, but somebody that I kind of idolize because oh. it's the American dream that you embody, and our immigrant heritage is what bonds us and um, what we'll continue to fight for. Well, that is beautiful, and thank you. Um, and, you know, I think that you took over the DNC at a challenging time. And I think that's a, an understatement. <laughs> and I think a lot of our listeners yeah. have been on different sides yeah. of a lot of the questions that the DNC has been tackling. Um, and so I just wanted to sort of do a step back and say you came into an organization and an institution. Um, at a critical moment, and you did an assessment of where we were and where we needed to go. And I thought you could just start by telling us that, you know, your assessment of where we were and what you're trying to do and where we need to go. I mean, this was a turnaround job at scale. Uh, I knew that when I ran for it. I also knew that if we didn't have a strong party infrastructure, we couldn't turn things around. The Republicans figured that out. And so they built a very strong RNC infrastructure along with the Koch brothers' independent expenditure infrastructure. And we needed to do the same. And and we let a lot of people down. Um, I'm well aware of that. While I wasn't there when it happened, uh, I owned it. And and we needed to unite. We needed not only to rebuild our infrastructure, we needed to rebuild trust because a lot of people felt very let down by uh, the, the Democratic National Committee. And that's why... The first thing I did uh, after I had the privilege of being elected was to ask my good friend Keith Ellison to join as the deputy uh, chair of the party. And and Keith and I go back years. We've been friends. We had dinner probably two weeks before the election to talk about the fact that this wasn't about Keith or Tom. This was about bringing America uh, together. And and so that was the first thing we did. And and we had to diagnose what went wrong. And... uh, what went wrong is we, we lost track of the basics. We stopped organizing. Uh, we took people for granted, including some of our most loyal constituencies, um, African-Americans. I was at an AME church in Detroit, and this um, a woman said to me, you've got to stop showing up at my church every 4th October That's right. pretending that you care because politics became transactional. We, we took people for granted. Uh, we stopped organizing. We 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 seeded whole wide swaths of the United States. I was in rural Wisconsin, and a guy said to me, 
I feel politically homeless mm -hmm. because the, the Democratic Party has abandoned ship. We, uh, we allowed our technology advantage. We were the state of the art. We had the best voter file in politics. We had the technology advantage under Howard Dean and then uh, taken to new levels by Barack Obama. And we, um, we, we didn't continue the investment. And in part because I think our mission morphed from uh, electing people up and down the ballot to simply focusing on the presidency. And, and the mission of the new DNC, the first thing we did about culture change is to, again, redefine our mission. We're here to elect Democrats up and down the ballot from the school board to the Oval Office. We had to make sure we were doing that. And you do that by building strong parties and strong partnerships with the ecosystem. And you have to recruit good people and you have to work with good people. And you've got to lead with your values. So many people that I've met over uh, the course of our listening tours said, I don't know what you stand for anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we had to articulate that. And, and for me, that's, that's a, an important thing and an easy thing because I, I, I came here, my family were, was kicked out of uh, the Dominican Republic because they spoke out against a ruthless dictator. And mm -hmm. America was the land of freedom. And FDR was a freedom fighter for my parents when they came to this country. And, and they always taught me that uh, Democrats have your back on all the issues that matter most. Democrats believe that we should have an America that works for everyone, not just a few at the top. We, we should have an America in which health care is a right for all not a privilege for a few, where you're judged by the content of your character and nothing else, where you can worship as you choose, where women can control their future in every way, shape, and form, where our immigrant heritage is what will always make us great, and where education, education, education is, is indeed the great equalizer. What do you say to people who um, think that part of the reason we lost our way is because we started focusing only on kind of the fundraising aspects of, you know, the, the wealthiest corporations and some of the wealthiest individuals. We weren't willing to take on some of the systemic pieces that have led to us leaving behind perhaps even our union brothers and sisters or our immigrant brothers and sisters. How, how are you trying to address that? Because one of the things I've seen is that people really do want a, a rewrite of the economy as we know it. And part of the reason that Donald Trump was able to fool a lot of people is he mm -hmm. said a lot of things that sounded like he was willing to take on some of the establishment, you know, people that where the, the uh, benefits of the economy right. as it is are really going <laughs> just there. How do you take that on? Yeah, well, I think it's so important to understand that uh, Income inequality is one of the defining issues of our moment. It's not the only defining issue. Racial inequality and and um, you know other forms of inequality are are there as well. But so many people are working hard and falling further behind. Right. And uh, the most important, the most precious resource you have is your time. But if you're working three jobs, it's right. hard to get to the PTA meeting. Hard right. to get to your kid's baseball game. Hard to be a good parent. And 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 that. The the uh, the Great Recession was catastrophic for millions of Americans, uh, but what we also have to understand is uh, the roots of what led to the election of Donald Trump precede and predate the Great Recession. I mean, starting around 1980, we started. To, we uh, there were a host of forces. The absolute assault on collective bargaining and the labor movement. You know, for for decades after World War II. Uh, wage growth 
and productivity went hand in hand. Workers baked the pie of prosperity they shared in its spoils. Uh, income inequality in the United States was at its lowest when labor union density was at its highest. And you did some and incredible things as Secretary of Labor, including around um, you know, some of the overtime rules and some of, uh, some of the pieces of trying to bring some equality back as Secretary of Labor. And in fact, Connor Lamb yeah. won his race in Absolutely. Pennsylvania in part because he embraced labor unions, embraced collective bargaining. Um, do you see that as an essential? Absolutely, and and uh, we invested in Connor Lamb's race, just like we invested in yeah, Maka Dingra's race. Because a lot you know? of people don't know about Connor yeah. Lamb's race and what yeah. the DNC did. No, she absolutely. Did it sort of as a stealth campaign. Well, we do bit. a lot of things stealth because one of the things that we're trying to bring to the enterprise, that's part of culture change, is a healthy dose of humility. When we invested in Alabama, and we were. We invested early in Doug Jones. I've known right. Doug since the Clinton administration. He's incredible, by the way. I uh, had a Doug chance is the to real see deal. him in, in, uh, when uh, I went on with John Lewis on the civil rights pilgrimage. And he is beloved there. And Doug, his work taking on the KKK is just phenomenal. I mean, what an incredible Doug candidate. is the real deal. Yeah. And, uh, again, I met Doug in the late 90s when we did civil rights work together mm -hmm. in the Clinton Justice Department. And so when he came to see me, Doug had $25,000 in the bank. I mean, nobody knew who Doug Jones was, and we took a we 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 said we're in, and it wasn't just the amount of money we invested; it was when and how mm -hmm. we we invested early. We don't invest a dime in television. That there's no ROI. Say that again, because I think some of zero percent of, of yeah. the money that we raise goes to television. Why? Because I firmly believe that if we're going to turn this around, and we are turning it around, we've got to invest in organizing. We've got to invest in digital mobilization. We've got to invest in building a voter protection infrastructure that acknowledges that uh, the, the voter suppression is a permanent part of the Republican playbook. We've got to invest in millennial engagement. We've got to invest in making sure that we're organizing everywhere. And in Connor Lamb's district, I've spent a lot of time there. I actually met Connor in 2011 or so when I was running the Civil Rights Division, and we had a case in Pennsylvania, and I met him then. And, and by the way, what you see is what you get. He's, a, yeah. he's an authentic yeah. um, individual. And he talked about three issues in his campaign, and he talked about them relentlessly. He talked about health care. He talked about collective bargaining. And he talked about pensions. And the reason he talked about those issues is those were the issues that were on everybody's mind. What did his opponent talk about? He talked about Nancy Pelosi. Right. And then he also talked for a couple weeks in their ads about, about the tax cut. The, the, this, this, uh, <laughs> the GOP tax, tax scam cut. that transferred trillions of dollars of wealth from middle class and working people well, to the wealthiest. I mean, one of the things that Republicans continue to do with regularity is they fall prey to believing their own propaganda. Yeah. They say Obamacare is a, is a death knell, Obamacare is a ki job killer, and they start believing that. And the reason why we've been winning, one of the reasons why we've been winning so many elections is that healthcare is the number one issue across this country, or wide swaths of this country. It was the number one issue in Virginia. It was the number one issue in New Jersey. It was the number one issue in Connor Lamb's race. Right. And it's been the number one issue in just about every race that I have observed. And we're on the right side, and they're on the wrong side. Right. And we have been talking about these issues. And, and when we focus on these issues that matter most to people. That's how we win. And when we, we focus everywhere, and, I, and I'm, I'm proud of the fact that one of our earliest investments was here in Washington State. 
for Makadingra yep. in in um, who in is District a dear 45. friend of mine that oh, I worked she's a star. with on the board of Chaya 20 years ago, a domestic was, violence South Asian domestic violence organization and. Um, my campaign and volunteers did a lot of work, and it was amazing to see her get elected. And now it was fun. I was the first South Asian ever elected, but she was the third, actually. We had Vandana Slatter, who was elected to the House, um, also another Indian American here in Washington well, State. Well, my goal, so. I, I was the first Latino elected to the County Council in Maryland, and, yeah. and my goal is to have it be a ho-hum exercise. Exactly. It can't be no, the last. It was, it was like in, um, I'm a football fan, and when right. you had the first wave of African-American quarterbacks, that's all people could talk about. I want it to become a ho-hum occurrence. And when people see the competence that you bring to the enterprise and that Manka brings to the enterprise, uh, that's when they realize, wow. And, and when you look at Virginia, we're, we're a few thousand miles away from Virginia, but Virginia, uh, and that was another example of the new DNC. Our goal is to elect people from the school board to the Oval Office. And and within about three or four weeks after Ralph Northam had won the Democratic primary, we doubled the number of organizers on the ground. And we strategically placed them in areas that were going to help those House of Delegates candidates. And, and uh, they needed 17 seats to flip that House. They got 15, and but for a coin flip, they would have had a tie. And what's, for me as nice as anything about what happened in Virginia, is uh, 15 former House of Delegates members, all Republican, were all white men, yeah. replaced by 11 women, yeah. including um, the first Vietnamese American, the first two Latinas, the first openly transgender member of the uh, House of Delegates, um, another African American member, and they are all spectacular they candidates. They are, and actually our listeners are all across the country, and we did an episode, I think it might have been our second episode, that we did on Virginia and on some of these seats, and we had Elizabeth Guzman on. and oh. um, So we talked about Virginia and what I call the reverse coattails effect, Amen. which I think you know is, again, conventional wisdom that the top of the ticket drives down, but here you see you know, how the excitement in these candidates who are truly diverse, wonderful candidates, competent candidates, can actually drive up and generate excitement. Well, and I saw that. And a couple, a couple uh, anecdotes there. You had a remarkable synergy there because, uh, on the one hand, uh, healthcare was the huge issue, and you've got a, a authentic pediatric neurologist at the top of the ticket in Ralph Northam. And then you have this incredible synergy down ballot because I would go to these campaign kickoffs for Hala Ayala or Elizabeth Guzman or Kathy Tran. These are all now members of the Virginia House of Delegates. And my memo would say, oh, you'll probably uh, say hello to 30 people. And invariably, it was 150 people. And, and, and they, this was an army of volunteers that hadn't been engaged in politics for the most part before right. that. And, and what was really heartening at the end, uh, and that gets to, our job has been to rebuild our infrastructure and to rebuild trust. And I had uh, a number of interactions with, with, or with uh, grassroots people in the last, literally the last weekend of the election, who would come up to me and say, I was a Bernie supporter uh, in the presidential. I see what you're trying to do to bring the party together. I support it. We got we got bigger fish to fry. We've got existential threats. Let's keep it up and let's keep working together. And, and, and Virginia taught such a good lesson about 
how our unity is our greatest strength. And unity doesn't mean unanimity. Unity doesn't mean I'm asking or you're asking or anyone's asking for someone to agree with what we believe 100% of the time, but it, it reflects. And we saw it in Virginia. We see it in Oklahoma in the four races we won there. We've seen it uh, in Alabama and elsewhere that um, what we, when we recognize that what unites us far outweighs what our differences are, the sky's the limit. No, that's absolutely right. And and my listeners know I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, <laughs> and uh, you know that as well. And I have taken this challenge of trying to help unite very seriously because the moment that we are in is a crisis. It is urgent, and it needs every one of us working together to try to make sure that we change what we need to change, but that we do it by building a majority that helps us move forward on some of these really critical issues. And and so it's been you know, uh, great, I think, to see that come together. And it's not that all of our issues are taken care of. And I think um, we're going to still have to do a lot of work. Let me end by just asking you about um, the superdelegates, because yep. you and Keith both endorsed a proposal. Tell us where that is. Tell sure. us how you feel about that. How do we make some of those changes that are important to some of the listeners of the show? Well, we have two very important roles at the DNC as it relates to the nominating process. Number one, we have to make sure that the process is fair for everyone involved. Not only fair in fact, but fair in perception. The DNC fell short in that regard, to state the obvious. Uh, and then secondly, we have to make sure that whoever wins in 2020 is handed an infrastructure, an organizing infrastructure, a technology infrastructure, a voter protection infrastructure that enables them to succeed. And that's what we're working on. And the Unity Reform Commission is an important part of that process. Our next DNC meeting will be either in July or August uh, of the full DNC. And I am quite confident that at that meeting, we will ratify a series of reforms that are designed to make sure that we're continuing that process of rebuilding trust, and in particular, making caucuses where they still exist uh, more accessible for people. There will be less caucuses in 2020 than in 2016. Uh, and those states that still retain a caucus system, I want to make sure that uh, you you can vote and participate. If you're right. a service member right. abroad, we you should, be able, you should be able to vote. Yeah. If you're a shift worker, you shouldn't have to win the boss lottery. Right. And then with the superdelegate issue, uh, there is unanimity that we need to reduce um, the influence of superdelegates. And there are a number of proposals, all of which do that, and, and which substantially reduce the influence of superdelegates, because I know that there were a lot of folks who felt that that, was, uh, that added to uh, the unfairness. And so I'm confident that uh, we'll have that behind us in, uh, and, and, and voted and ratified at the next uh, DNC meeting, which again, I don't recall the precise date, but it's July or August of this yeah. year. Well, that's great, Tom. And I just want to say thank you for your leadership, for your no, friendship, and for More all work the work do. that you've been doing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that we are, we are fortunate to um, have this moment of tremendous energy. And um, for you as an immigrant from the Dominican <laughs> Republic, for me as an immigrant from India, to be in the positions we're in is such a responsibility to make sure we keep getting more folks like us, as you say, so it becomes yeah. a whole-hum thing, right? Absolutely. To, to and see the I, diversity reflected in the party. You know, and I always, and you, I heard you say this earlier today when we were together, uh, sometimes it takes a catastrophic failure to focus right. uh, uh, the attention. And I, I see, and the reason I come to you 
with unrelenting optimism is uh, I have seen across the country in my travels, whether it's in Oklahoma, whether it's here in Washington State, whether it was in Tennessee where I was um, recently, I see an energy that I've never seen before. And I see that um, you know, people, I, I heard someone describe it in the following way. I'm pissed with purpose. Yes, okay? right, right. Yeah, I don't want to just right. be pissed. Right. I want to be pissed with purpose. We need to channel purpose. our anger and into And so they're winning. channeling their anger. Yeah. Um, but we, we, we cannot. Right. This is about leapfrogging and sustaining. And the way to do that is to build authentic, permanent relationships with folks where the first question you're asking them is, how do I help? Right. We're, we're working right now with a number of Puerto Ricans who have been displaced from the storm, and they've moved to places like Florida, Pennsylvania, and elsewhere. And you don't just walk up to them and say, hi, I'm Tom Perez with the party. Uh, here, you got to register to vote. It's how can we help? It's, it's, it's right. what you do. It's, you, were, right. you, know, you were an organizer, and organizers are about or the best organizers are the best listeners. That's right. And we need to develop that ethic and, right. uh, and, and develop it everywhere and, and recognize that um, everybody in this country has talent. What, ev- what not everybody has at the moment is opportunity, a fair shake. That's and right. that's what we're fighting for. Well, I am thrilled to be in that fight with you. We are going to take back the House, take back our country, which is and the, the most Senate. important thing, and the Senate, <laughs> yep. um, and state houses, and make sure that we get that opportunity for everybody to really have the shot that the American dream used to be about, but so few people today feel like they're there. And uh, I want to thank you for your work and for being with us today. Well, it's been an honor.